Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Monday, October 5th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. I'll be joined on today's show by Saints legend Zach Streif. We jump right into our interview. So great conversation with Zach. He'll provide a lot of insight on yesterday's 35 to 29 win over the Detroit Lions. Cue the music. Hopefully that makes you feel a little bit like normal, a little bit like maybe you're back inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. All right, like I said, we're going to go right ahead and jump into our interview with Saints legend Zach Streif. Zach, nobody likes to hear uh, the media complain. Everyone kind of brushes it off. But I think we have to complain a little bit about Saturday night. I think we need to hear your perspective on if you were even awake Saturday night to, to hear about the diagnosis of fullback Michael Burton, because that affected a lot of people, including players on the team. But uh, what was your perspective on Saturday night? Yeah, um, yeah, we were up for it still. Um, it was a pretty interesting evening, I know. You know, it's one of those deals I just don't think anyone had any real information other than, hey, you know, somebody tested positive and now we don't know what's going on. So, you know, I think everybody was, I can imagine in the hotel, pretty frustrated just that there was, um, you know, it's just slow to develop information. And, you know, certainly being that close to a game, there was really only one outcome that was good. Yeah. Right. Unless you were an advocate of postponing a game in which you were down six starters to begin with. Um, so, you know, it, it was, it's different, you know, it's one of these situations that we knew would come up at some point this year, um, and probably will again, Yeah. you know, you just yeah. hope it doesn't happen the night before in the hotel. Uh, you know, you hope it happens on Wednesday or Thursday or maybe right before the trip. Um, but you know, it is what it is. And I think, uh, it's a testament to the organization to see the guys respond. And, and like I said, again, you know, you're down six pro bowlers. Um, it's a lot of, lot of talent that you've, you know, lost on the field. And then on top of that, you know, some of, some of the guys that were impacted, I would assume, you know, guys like Alvin Kamara who are up uh, getting, you know, retested that I, I'm sure that entire running back room, anyone that was kind of near him on the plane. So, you know, it affects some guys and then some guys I'm sure never heard a thing about it, right? They go upstairs, they go to bed. They, they don't, if you're not looking at Twitter at 11, then you never find out about it. So, you know, but they handled it well. And I think that's what's most important uh, is in a week where they really needed a win and they really could have done without the distractions. Uh, they were able, you know, to, to kind of hunker down when, when game time came and get a win. Yeah, Latavius Murray said he was asleep at 10 o'clock and it wasn't until 1230 when Bo Lowry came in knocking on his uh, door to retest him that he even realized anything was going on. So I think a lot of different people had different perspectives. And of course, I'm sure the uh, the group chat was blowing up that night. But I do want to get your overall impression. Saints win 35-29 over the Lions and prove to 2-2 two and two on the season. But um, as you've mentioned a few times, they were without six pro bowlers. They went out, they lost a few guys during the game. Were you impressed that the Saints did so well or did you come to expect that going into the game against the Lions who I don't want to say are a poor team but we we know we've come to expect a you know a certain level of playing from the Lions 
Yeah, well, listen, they had broken an 11-game losing streak last week against the Cardinals. So, you know, obviously they have not had a ton of success in Detroit. And, um, you know, here's the thing. I had a really good feeling about this football game going in, and it, it didn't have a whole lot to do with Detroit, quite honestly. I just have always felt like Sean Payton does his best coaching with his back against the wall. I've just always felt that way. I think, you know, his greatest attribute as a coach, and there's been a lot about his play calling and the, his design of offensive football, and he is so good, and it's, it's what he's best at. He knows exactly the pulse of his team, and he knows when to push, and he knows when to pull back, and I just think he has an innate ability to understand what's needed in the moment, and I think he's best at that when there's some crisis. Yeah. And there was yeah. last week, right? There just was, you know, you lose two games in a row, you know, suddenly a team that's supposed to be a Super Bowl contender doesn't feel like a Super Bowl contender. And, you know, your explosive offense is, you know, kind of dumping balls off to the running back and nobody cares that, you know, you still scored 30 points. And, you know, it's just like, it just has this eerie feeling of like, oh, this is going the wrong direction. And I think in the past when that's happened, it's when Sean does his best coaching. And I thought this was a great example of that. You know, obviously this game didn't start how they wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it did not deter them from sticking to the running game, from kind of going back to the basics defensively, sitting in a little bit more zone defense, letting the, the front four get after the quarterback, you know, playing assignment sound football again. And I just think that that's where he goes to when there's kind of those moments is almost, I don't even want to call it like safety mode, but it's kind of like, let's go back to the origin of all of this and what made us good to begin with. And I just really thought that the plan was excellent. And I thought the guys executed it really well. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of refreshing to see because it felt like Saints football. Zach, you were obviously a player. That's, you know, one of the great reasons we love having you on. But from my perspective, I've always understood, you know, from the college perspective, when you're in when you have discipline and you need to correct something, okay, we're going to put you on the line. We're going to make you run. And that's kind of your discipline, but it's obviously very different on a professional level, especially when you're talking about football, what does discipline look like in the NFL and amongst the saints? Do you have guys calling each other out? Um, maybe in, in position meetings, do you have guys holding each other accountable? Is it coaches who have to step up and, you know, have private meetings with guys? What does that, what does discipline look like um, for the saints? Yeah, I think it's, you know, probably components of each of those things. You know, it's really dependent on the situation, but you're right. Like in college, everything is fairly corporal, right? You <laughs> messed up, go run, right? You messed up, go do push-ups, And, and it's really not like that at this level. Um, you know, I think they were, they were in a good place because of the amount of, uh, of leadership that they do have, the amount of veterans that this team does have, but it's, I don't think it's necessarily any dramatic, come to Jesus moment, right? Like when teams get to that point, there's probably been a lot go wrong when you have these, you know, team only meetings where the guys get in a room and, you know, they emerge and they're, you know, it's, I think that's a, a touch dramatic most of the time. What I think the coaching staff has to do in those moments and what I think they did this week is you really force guys uh, and you put an attention on simplifying what you're doing and your plan, but forcing guys and pushing guys to be, you know, 100% dialed into it. Mm. Because what happens so much, especially in football, is doubt creates a lot of problems. It creates a lack of execution. It creates injuries. It creates, um, you know, that, that, that hesitation 
that causes so much problems, right? Like playing cornerback in the NFL is a brutal job because it takes that much hesitation and suddenly the guy's four yards past you, right? So I think that's a lot what they went to, right? Let's go to plays we know. We saw duo a ton offensively on the ground. You know, that's a bread and butter play for the Saints. You know, we we watched them go back to their slash game and just run the football, even into looks that weren't great, right? We saw a bunch of runs at the end of that football game. The drive before the final drive, you know, they went backwards three straight plays on the ground. But they came back in the next drive needing to run the clock out, and they were able to get a first down because they kind of kept pounding, you know, the football, even in a bad look. So um, I think it's just you, you simplify you get guys to stop thinking completely, right? You just eliminate that 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 doubt from their brains. And then you really preach to guys, just go and play fast. Like, just go and do what you know to do, right? It should be second nature to you at this point. But sometimes you can get ahead of yourself in this league, right? Remember, the, the camp was short. The reps were low. And yet, you know, you want to, as a coach, continue to evolve. And so you're taking a team that was largely intact last year right and and the saints probably more than most there's still 25 percent turnover on this roster and so you're trying to continue to advance and yet maybe you had to actually go backwards a little bit because of the lack of preparation time you know maybe you are doing too much early and i think we saw them say that ah, that's not going to be the reason right we're going to do the stuff we know we're going to let guys play fast and i think you saw them respond to that really well I have to say, I have to appreciate the long answer on that one, because even though my apartment is sitting next to a two foot by two foot blade of grass in one tree, it seems like every day I get every single piece of landscaping equipment come by my apartment and they were just <laughs> blowing leaves everywhere just now. And I was like, please keep talking, please keep talking. I don't know what they're doing out there, but it seems like every day they have to do something out there. Um, but Zach, what do you have to say to the people who have been talking down on Drew Brees? Well, first, I think it's always important to acknowledge that that's part of fandom, right? Is like having a passionate response to everything, right? Is like part of being a fan. The thing that's that's uh, that's bothered me about some of the criticism that Drew has gotten has not been the criticism in general. It's the fact that what people are saying is not evident on film. Yeah. So yeah. you know the the message that everyone has been preaching, and this is not just fans. This is national media who's not spending three hours breaking down a game film of every team, right? They're just kind of brushing the surface and looking at stats. Is everyone keeps saying, well, his arm strength, his arm strength. Drew's arm hasn't been strong in four years, right? But Drew Brees has been leading this team to wins constantly. Yeah. So, you know, and his arm wasn't that strong 15 years ago. It's not who he is, right? So it's frustrating because I watch it and I go, just show me one play where you go up well, arm strength. Yeah. And that's not yeah. what you're seeing. You know, what we saw a lot in the in the last two games before the Lions was defenses playing cover two over the top, you know, keeping everything in front of them, forcing those types of throws. And Drew has really kind of adapted his game. And this is not this year. This is back to 2018 to becoming more of a facilitator. Right. I'm going to get the ball as quickly as I can into the hands of my playmakers in as much space as I can give them. Right. So you watch the game and you go, man, he's, you know, he keeps going, you know, down to, he keeps checking the Camaro. He keeps, you know, throwing these underneath routes. Well, there's no reason to wait for your post route to open with two high safeties. There's just no reason to do it. So I'm going to get the ball out of my hand. I'm going to let this guy go make a play. 
what you didn't see was a bunch of balls falling four yards short. And that's what the message was. And it's just, you know, it's not, it's not represented on film. And so that's frustrating to me because it's just kind of an easy, lazy thing to say without having to put any effort in to find out what's really going on. So, you know, do I think the offense played great weeks two and three? No, I didn't. But I thought that they had the ability to in those games. You know, I thought they kind of let the run game go a little bit too early in each one of those games, even, you know, with the situations as they were. And that stuff was really working. And, you know, I think it opens up more down the field. Uh, you know, I, I think that that he's got some new bodies in there that he's trying to get a better feel for it. Just, you know, is he going to take a risk and try to squeeze a ball into a tiny window if he's not really confident that that guy's going to be in exactly the right spot? You know, he, no is the answer, yeah. right? He's cut down on his interceptions tremendously. It's by taking away those types of throws, right? Yeah, it was a ton of fun in 2011 where we threw the ball down the field every play, right? But we also turned the ball over a decent amount doing that. So, you know, I think it's just kind of a change in, in how this offense has been built and, and the criticism to Drew. I just, I don't see the evidence of what people are saying on film. I think that's a great point. And, and every time you watch the film and you see him ready to launch downfield, he's ready to do it. But then a defender gets in the way and he's like, that's not a smart decision. That would not be the intelligent play. And you make another good point. He wasn't doing that 15 years ago. I think, I think Drew has always been a football IQ player first instead of, oh, you know what? Let me just launch it and see what happens. Um, Listen, we saw that. We saw a guy do that this week. Yeah. Right. Like that's what, that's how Matt Stafford plays the game. Yeah. Right. And we watch him throw balls. There was two balls that, that you say, man, Malcolm come down with that football, right? He's in perfect position. The ball shouldn't be thrown. The, the tight end makes a good play, but you know, the pick that P Rob has just, so, I mean, you're just, you're just crossing your fingers. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and so, you know, but that's how he has to play because he's got a defense giving up a lot of points, right? That's who they are. That's, that's, that's who the saints once were but they're not that anymore. And so I think, you know, the style of play that he's, that he's using now makes more sense and has given them more, a better opportunity for winning the last couple of years than the old style would. Were you more pleased with the pass rush in this game? We heard Sheldon Rankins after uh, the game against the Packers that the pass rush just wasn't really there this week. You had David Onyemata, um, Trey Hendrickson, and Cam Jordan all had sacks in this game. Were you more pleased out of what you're seeing from this defensive line, even without Marcus Davenport? Yeah, I thought this week they were better, and they should have been, right? The interior of the Lions line is, is really the weakness of that group offensively. And so, you know, we saw a lot of that internal pressure um, happen in this game. You know, I feel bad for Cam, um, and this is the plight of being an elite pass rusher. But, you know, without, without defenses really having someone else they feel like they need to focus on, he's been getting – it's so sad to watch. I mean, it's like – you beat the tackle, there's a tight end, you beat the tight end and the running back's cutting him. It's like, I mean, how many people are lined up to deal with this guy? So I think Cam Sachs will come, right? You can't, you can't do that forever. And I think, you know, the way that Trey Hendrickson has played is going to start making it tougher for teams to just say, okay, fine, we'll just throw three guys at Cam. You know, there's a reason why Trey has three sacks, you know, early in the season here, you know, I mean, and, and I think, eventually you're going to put teams in a position where, man, we just can't send that many resources. Cam can beat double teams. Triple teams are pretty tough for anybody. 
Um, and I think it's going to take those other guys coming on to make that happen. It's been really fun to see Trey Hendrickson kind of evolve this year, especially since so many eyes were focused on Marcus Davenport this year, obviously his injury. Um, but it's been really fun to see Trey Hendrickson evolve, uh, evolve. Going into Monday night football against the Chargers, if you could nitpick one or two things, or maybe it's not nitpicking, if you could pick out two things um, that the Saints need to do against the Chargers going into Monday night football that they need to change up this week, what would they be? So I think the big thing defensively for the Saints is to the elimination of the big play. Yeah. You know, that has really kind of been the Achilles heel. You know, Deuce and I were kind of joking in the box a couple of times. We feel more comfortable on third and three than third and 10. <laughs> you know, all the big plays are coming on third and long. And, you know, that's a problem this defense had a couple of years ago and that they kind of got corrected, right? We didn't see it really last year. But early in 2018, we saw that, that issue kind of creep up. Um, it's been, you know, big plays. And you're, you're playing a young quarterback. Um, who's playing very well, right? But you got a team probably without their starting running back, uh, an offensive line that I think is okay. I don't think they're anything special, you know, but some good weapons on the outside. And so, you know, what you don't want to let them do is, is take 60-yard shots over your head. Um, and that's been a problem so far, I think, for the Saints. So honestly, there was a couple of opportunities that the Lions had that they just weren't able, um, you know, to complete that, that they had guys, you know, free behind the, the coverage. So I think that's the big thing I would say defensively. Um, I'm, I'm almost over the pass interference thing, watching some of the pass interferences they're getting. Alex Anzalone cannot play that play any better. Yeah. I talked to 10 defensive players yesterday, said, somebody tell me that this is half justified. And, and everyone's just saying, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's just nothing you can do. And I think we've seen a, a fair share of that. I think they'll continue to cut down on them, but it's the play over the head that I think they need to do. And offensively, they need to stick to, you know, the what essentially has been the game plan that's made them so good offensively the last couple of years. And that is the effectiveness of the ground game and the ability to stay with it. Because I really do think that this team is capable with the backs that we have, with the line that we have, of taking games over offensively on the ground. And, and that's knowing also you've got Drew Brees ready to go when it's time to, to throw the ball down the field. So um, I, I loved the game plan they had this week. I think it's something we're going to see kind of continue. Now it's been proven that, you know, that's an effective way for them to move the ball offensively. But those would be, you know, really the two things. Going against the Chargers, last question, is it going to be difficult for you since you are so used to saying Bobby Bear instead of saying Justin Bear? Justin I know it's spelled differently. Herbert. But as it's soon, Herbert. I know as soon as you look at it, though, it looks different. So it looks like a bear a little bit. I know maybe that's just me, but you're an ultimate so, pro. So. so Bobby Bobby has told me the history many times <laughs> oh, of the a bears and the Herberts Herbert. and how they each came to be. There is a there is a long history explaining how those two things happened. I don't remember it. I generally turn my ears <laughs> off for the story, but there is a history to it. Um, but he did say, uh, uh, Mike Dettelier tells a great story about having Justin Herbert um, at the Madden Passing Academy and, and walking up to him and saying, are you tired of being called A-Bear yet? And he said, I swear every person that I've talked to keeps calling me A-Bear. I've never had anyone call me that before. He said, well, welcome to Louisiana, son. Yeah. Uh, in Louisiana, you're going to be A-Bear. Um, but no, I, I think I can do Herbert. Bobby, I'm sure Bobby will remind me no less than 50 times this week. 
I can't wait for him to tell you that story again. And it's going to be, I'm sure, over 30 minutes long. Zach, I'll tell you what, if I think it's coming, I'm going to hit a record button and try to get it laid down on tape for you. Please do. Thank you. Zach, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. Raise your hand if you want the history of A Bear and Herbert because um, I'll afford it to you because I'm sure Zach is going to give it to me. And uh, I know that story time is going to put me to sleep. So I'll just use it as meditation whenever I go to sleep. No. Um, great talking with Zach. Good to get his insight on uh, the Lions game, um, the whole COVID-19 situation. It was a, it was a crazy Saturday night, uh, I'm sure, for all of you if you were up to receive the news. If you weren't, um, then I'm sure it was an anxiety attack as soon as you woke up in the morning. But all all good. I'm glad the Saints or the Saints and the Lions were able to to play yesterday, and of course, even happier that the Saints got that win. If you missed any of the interviews from the post game yesterday, you can watch them right now on NewOrleansSaints.com or your Saints app. There's interviews with Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, Patrick Robinson, and many, many more. So be sure to go to NewOrleansSaints.com, watch those interviews, and read our very own John DeShazer's article on how the next men stood up for your New Orleans Saints and their win over the Lions. All right, that'll do it for today's New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. We'll have another show on Wednesday. We appreciate you, and have a great Monday, everybody. It's a winning Monday. Cue the music once again.